I mean, that's the way it should be, right? We should have teachers that want to, that love teaching, that want to guide and shape young minds, that aren't abusing their authority, that aren't abusing their students, that want to give their students the best opportunities possible. everyone this is alex and this is em welcome to the latest episode of the good the bad the basic this is a podcast for tv lovers movie buffs and binge watchers of all ages on this podcast we'll be discussing what we loved what we hated and what's just a bit problematic about the tv and movies that we're addicted to and do a bit of rewriting where necessary. For much more exclusive content, become a show producer on Patreon and get access to after-the-episode outtakes, curated playlists, movie reviews, music video retrospectives, and so much more. Join the family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. On today's episode, we'll be discussing the first four seasons of the iconic ABC sitcom Boy Meets World. This slice-of-life series follows our protagonist from his awkward preteen years through the growth of manhood. Though there's nothing special about any one episode, Boy Meets World's charm is in how it made the everyday and mundane into entertainment, cementing its status as one of the most memorable shows of the 90s. So how did Boy Meets World manage to turn the ordinary into an extraordinarily touching series? Stay tuned. everyone so here's some details about boy meets world the series is a sitcom created by michael jacobs and april kelly and it was released from september 24th 1993 until may 5th 2000 on um it aired on the abc network for seven seasons and a total of 158 episodes it had one spinoff girl meets world which aired briefly on the disney channel and the series stars Ben Savage as Corey Matthews, our protagonist, Ryder Strong as Sean Hunter, Corey's best friend, Danielle Fischel as Topanga Lawrence, later Topanga Matthews, Corey, Corey's love interest and later his wife, Will Friedel as Eric Matthews, Corey's older brother, Lily Nixie from seasons one, through, one and two, and Lindsay Ridgeway from seasons three through seven as Morgan Matthews. Eric and Corey's younger sister, um, William Daniels as George Feeney, Eric, Corey, Sean, and Topanga's teacher, William Russ as Alan Matthews, Corey, Eric, and Morgan's father, Betsy Randall as Amy Matthews, Eric, Corey, and Morgan's mother, Anthony Tyler Quinn as Jonathan Turner, Corey, Sean, and Topanga's teacher, Lee Norris as Stuart Minkus, Trina McGee, later, um, credited as Shina McGee Davis, as Angela Moore, Sean's girlfriend, um, Michael Lawrence as Jack Hunter, Sean's half-brother and Eric's roommate, and Maitland Ward as Rachel McGuire, Jack and Eric's roommate. So these are all of our major players for the seven seasons of Boy Meets World. Um, the series is kind of broken down into years. So um, let's start with season one, which all of season one covers is the middle school years, and that is 22 episodes long, 
Let's get into it. Right. So, Boy Meets World. When this Boy Meets World. Um, Boy Meets World. So, Boy Meets World was, like, like you said, ABC. I remember it was even part of the TJF lineup. It was also one of those shows that was part of that original TJF lineup, but, like, it was new episodes airing. There's even sort of a great joke in, like, one of the later seasons when, uh, which we'll get to in, the, in part two, where there's an episode in Corey and Topanga are, like, babysitting, and mm-hmm. the kid makes a joke about, oh, I got to see that curly-headed kid on the TGIF lineup on the A... And they're basically <laughs> self-referencing the show. Um, so, yeah, part of that big TGIF lineup. And it was a hit when it was on. And then Boy Meets World, um, at least how I first encountered Boy Meets World, though, really, because I, I have a vague memory of it on on TGIF, but I don't think I watched it, watched it religiously. But how I at least started really watching Boy Meets World was when it went in t- on onto syndication on Disney Channel and then later on um, ABC Family, now Freeform. And that's when a lot of people encountered it. Um, it became, I think, in fact, it was Disney Channel and ABC Family is one, one of the most highly rated shows, mm-hmm. again, on those networks in syndication. So, And that's how like our whole generation, at least, um, sort of re-encountered and like, took back in this show. Yeah, this show never went away. It's kind of like Smart Guy. I've seen it on Freeform. I it was on Syndicate on the WB um, before it became the CW. Um, it was on Syndicate on TBS in the mornings in the summer. I definitely watched it there. It's never not been on Syndicate syndication. This show is iconic. It's considered a landmark show because of its simplicity. It's just a show about a middle-class white boy doing middle-class white boy things, not including shooting up the schools. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) so like, it's just, it's just a random show with a random kid who isn't, isn't special in any way. Corey's not particularly handsome. He's not smart. He's not athletic. He, he's just a kid. He, right. This Boy Meets World is definitely like an ode to the average white male. Like it is a love letter to average white men everywhere. And uh, they're really, really hot best friends. <laughs> Ryder Strong was like a moment, I know, for like a lot of black girls. There's nothing special that's like happening. It's a show about a middle class kid, Corey Matthews, which by the way, Corey Matthews played by Ben Savage, Fred Savage's brother. Fred Savage being very famous for his own iconic slice of life sitcom, um, The Wonder Years. So I guess ABC was like, okay, we'll give your brother a turn. Uh, Fred Savage, which, by the way, both boys are, like, Jewish, but I don't know if they ever... Do they code Fred is like, Jewish on the Wonder Years? I forget. No, no, he's Wasp. He's Wasp. Um, well, yeah, in real life, both of them are Jewish. Don't forget, get, Fred has the straight hair, so Fred can pull that off. Pull that off. Uh, ben does not have the straight hair. <laughs> Um, but he is coded as a wasp on the show. And in fact, it becomes like the hair becomes like, I I guess, a point of contention, (laughs) uh, for several episodes. There are several episodes where they talk about his, his hair. 
including this season, which is interesting, like Corey tries to like press and curl his hair and it's like, what? I was really always surprised that they never gave him like a low cut like they do with Wentworth Miller. Like, cause his hair right. is like, not even as curly as Ben Savage, right? He has like wavy hair, but like every time Wentworth Miller's trying to play a white man, like they shave his, they shave his shit down, like all the way down. Cause when he has a low cut, he looks whiter. But yeah, this first season of Boy Meets World is super interesting because nothing noteworthy really happens. The Topanga Lawrence character, for example, wasn't even a principal character in season one. She becomes a principal in season two. She's just a recurring character. Like she and Stuart Minkus are like recurring characters for all of season one. Um, but like we get, we kind of get thrown into the game um, where we see that Corey is very much a child still. Like, mm-hmm. he's like, um, you know, he he feels unappreciated by his family, for example, so he moves into his treehouse. That's like, that's some childish shit. He does this in the pilot episode. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm just like, sir, you know treehouses don't have electricity and running water, right? But, like, being a child, he didn't think this shit through. Right, right. Um, Something that, like, yeah, and they all just have their, they have their, a uh, little hijinks. Something that like kind of got me though in the first season was like how mean they were. Like Sean and Corey are very, very like just mean, like and <laughs> nasty. Um, and that really like threw me for a loop. I did not remember that how how like mean they were. Like it eases up in the second seasons and onward. They go from, like, not being mean and they just go to being, like, weird and sort of dorky. But they're actively, like, just bullying, like, in the first season. And that, that uh, I didn't remember that. Right. Um, I did remember the bullying of the Minkus character. But what I didn't remember was how mean Corey was to Topanga. Now, we have had these conversations in regards to their bullying about how I really feel like bullying, whether it's um, just verbal or escalates to physical, is like a rite of passage for white boys. We had this conversation when we reviewed Jack and Bobby for our Gone Too Soon series. But um, when I saw how mean Corey was to Topanga because he liked her so much. I hated it because it reinforced that narrative that if a boy is mean to you and he's like abusive, whether verbally or physically, that's a sign of his affection. I think that's a really toxic message to send to girls, um, particularly in that era um, where we were less likely to question that type of message on TV. And in addition to that, he's also very nasty to Morgan, his little sister, who... Mm is really just really nice and really sweet and really likes her and really loves her big brother and likes and not only loves him, but really likes him and wants to just sort of hang out. And he is so nasty to her. Like she will do something to try to like brighten his day. Like he's feeling down about something or like something has gone on at school. And she's like, here, like you want to sleep with my, my teddy bear? Cause like, it always makes me feel better. And he's like, like, he doesn't say this, but like, fuck your stupid teddy bear. Fuck you, Morgan. Like, and I'm just like, whoa, like, and like Amy and, and Amy and, um, his dad sort of just like, Alan. Alan, yeah. Laugh at it. Or like, don't talk to him in like a manner to be like, don't be punitive to somebody who's just trying to help you. Um, or like, don't talk that way to your baby sister, baby sister. you little turd. <laughs> sort of, yeah. It, and it's interesting. I don't want to say it. No, it's normalizing violence against women, but like, it's definitely normalizing violence against women. 
it's so weird to me because as a series moves, what I've noticed is that like um, the older brother, Eric Matthews, is like the only character on the series who's never like punitive or abusive to women. Right. Um, Eric, yeah, Eric and the father, Alan, like are like the only ones who are like complete a-holes to women in the series. And I think it speaks volumes that Eric is older, taller, hotter, kinder, um, but perpetually single while Corey gets to cheat Topanga like shit. And he's basically negging her for all of the first and second seasons. But he ends up with like this beautiful woman that's far too good for him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like we said, it's an ode to the average white male, an ode, a love letter, a, 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 a fantasy. Um, Corey gives all the incels hope that they too can mistreat a woman and get her to stick around. It basically, basically. But yeah, we're, we're introduced to Corey. We're introduced to his best friend, Sean. And of course the iconic Mr. Feeney and, and Topanga and Minkus and, and, Eric and Alan and Amy and Morgan and we meet this family and we basically live in in their their lives for uh 22 episodes. Shout out to Carrie Russell in episode 7 by the way. Yeah, we have a lot of like people who would become like really big TV actors on this show. Um like a really cute little before they were stars anthology with this series. And shout out to Carrie Russell's naturally curly hair because they've been straining her hair within an inch of its life for the past 20 years. And um, it doesn't do her any favors. I'm not going to say she looks bad, but she looks better with her natural hair texture. She does. She looks really great with her her natural hair texture. It's it's really big and fluffy and long and she looks Makes so her look cute. exotic. <laughs> it really does. Like It gives her an edge because now she looks like every other white woman. We love, we love the first season of Boy Meets World. Like I said, bullying aside, and I honestly, I, I feel two ways about it. Like, I feel like the the way that he treats Topanga and how the fact that she still has a crush on him, even though he's a complete douchebag, is a really toxic message to cheat to girl, to, to, to show to girls. However, I do think the bullying of Stuart Minkus is, I feel, an accurate portrayal of white male behavior. Sorry about it. I just do. <laughs> Sorry. And I... They're so mean to him. They're so mean to Stuart. And they're mean to Stuart for, like, basically, like, he just, Stuart tries. Like, (laughs) he doesn't get, like, Ds and Cs. He uh, likes to study and wants to do well in life and in school and, like, school. And that's literally why they bully him. Because he doesn't, because Stuart does not get Cs and Ds. Oh, my God. You like studying? Ew. (laughs) Ew. Um, so, uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, is there any, any particular episodes in season one that you're, you're into that you, you F with heavy? Episode four, Corey's alternative friends. Oh yeah. Was good. good. Um, the pilot episode was good as well. I think I already mentioned that, but like it, it, it kind of thrusts you in early and it shows you just how much of a child Corey is. But in Corey's alternative friends, we also get like, um, we also get a guest star from Marla um, Sokoloff. All the 90s girls remember her. She um, guest starred on a season of Party of Five. She was in um, on the TV show Boston Legal. And she was in my personal favorite team, Roncom, Whatever It Takes. So we ha- I got to, like, that was a little time capsule. It's kind of like Smart Guy. The show's a time capsule. Um, episode five, Killer Bees, was really cool. 
And um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Episode six, Boys to Mensa, Mensa mm-hmm. was good. Episode seven, Grandma was a Rolling Stone. Uh, episode 10, Santa's Little Helper. Episode 11, The Father-Son Game. Another episode where he's being mean to his sister for no reason. Episode 15, Model Family. And episode 16, Risky Business. What about you? Um, I actually, I like all of those ones too. Um, particularly uh, Corey's Alternative Friends. Um, that's the one where we get the sort of super memorable scene where Topanga, Topanga, uh, puts the lipstick on her face. She's really great. I also like 14, She Loves Me, She Loves Me Not. 20, The Plays, The Thing, where Corey is like in the school play. And 22, I Dream of Feeny. Yeah. Um, I just want to say before we go any further, Mr. Feeny is the gift that keeps on giving. He's really the reason why I watched the show for as long as I did, because I wouldn't have made it through the high school years with um, Sean and Corey's bullshit if Mr. Feeney hadn't been there. And I really feel like he was a better parental figure than Corey's parents a lot of the time. He is. He is definitely another parent. And, you know, part of what I really love about the Feeney character and the Feeney character demonstrates how that certain teacher in school is sort of like a parental figure for you. Because you're with them so much. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? We should have teachers that want to, that love teaching, that want to guide and shape young minds, that aren't abusing their authority, that aren't abusing their students, that want to give their students the best opportunities possible. And the reason I say he's a model teacher is because, unfortunately, that's not very common. Right. It's not common at all, at all, at all. Uh, as we, as we, as you can, you know, turn on the news and, or pull up your, your Twitter feed or, you know, go to your favorite uh, news site and read about. So season one, what do we think of season one? Good, bad, basic. Um, well, it hurt my heart, um, season one, because Lee Norris was a regular cast member in season one. And then he, he was, um, no longer, on the show and we don't see him again until season five when they graduate from high school. That made me really sad, but he went on to do great things. He was on like all the seasons of one tree Hill. We love it. Um, besides his, the treatment of the actor and, you know, basically getting rid of him as a character and the treatment of the character, I will give season one, a solid good. Mm, okay. I give season one. Mm, this is a really good question. I want to, you know, I'm going to give season one a basic plus. And let me tell you why. Because I think, like, it's it's good. Like, I think the writing is solid. But I think compared to what these next seasons, uh, seasons two through two, three will really do, um, I think it's basic in comparison. It's a better, like, they just go so, there's so much more that's greater. And I think because we have seen sitcoms of this era portray like complicated inner the portray like a complicated inner life of middle school um more complex than this one and i think more giving than this one i'm i'm going to give it a basic plus but for all intents and purposes it's it's fine right right no i agree 
Um, I think they do step it up in, in later seasons. So that's a really good point. But yeah, honestly, watching these shows reminds me just how long shows used to be. 22 episodes, man. But yeah, they covered all of all of like eighth grade in that first season. So seasons two through five are the high school years. Let's mm-hmm. get into season two. That's 23 episodes long. And um, Sean, Corey, and Topanga are moving into high school. Yeah, um, ninth grade, freshman year. Right. Um, Topanga has herself a little glow up for real. She's looking really good. Danielle Fischel was indisputably the best looking white girl on television at the time. <laughs> she was. She's really legit. Like, I don't want to hear any arguments. Like, the 90s had two bad white women. uh, Topanga Lawrence um, for your minors and um, Fran um, Fine for your adults. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So... (laughs) So in season two, um, the guys are moving up to to high school and they realize they're not, you know, the biggest fish in the ponds anymore. They're, they're back to being minnows and, you know, they, and luckily because, you know, they are protagonists, we're supposed to like them. They become less of the bullies and more of the bullied. Uh, we get like this really great, uh, school bully. Uh, the first one is Harley Kiner. He's very, it's very, I know I'm like saying a great bully. It's like really kitsch you guys. It's like super kitsch. It's super, um, over the top. Like, silly. It's really silly. Um, They get shoved into lockers or, like, their lunch money taken. It's very, like, it's like your 1950s high school bully. And, like, he looks from, he like, he's from the 50s. Hence the name Harley Kiner. Um, <laughs> we get uh, a new teacher in uh, Jonathan Turner, Mr. Turner, who will be, like, a big presence this season. Yeah, let's get into it. So... Um, so season two is a season where the show goes all in on this idea that Sean is poor. Yeah, before we weren't like, we knew he was poor, but like now he's like damn near destitute. <laughs> um, like, his, his father's got some problems, right? Like can't hold down a job. My, has to, like, I think it's, it's alluded his father has substance abuse issues as well. Later, later in the later seasons. Now, yeah, okay. like, I think we we know that he can't hold down a job and we know that, like, he's a con artist, basically. Right, right, right. Um, back to the bullying really, really quickly. Um, I'm not saying that I condone bullying. I'm just saying that um, Corey and Sean deserved to be bullied. Um, the Sean character is and his poverty is basically used as a plot device for the Corey character. Nothing really interesting happens in Corey's life. Everything of interest that happens to him on the show is as a byproduct of his relationships with either Sean or Topanga, right? Yeah. Yeah, like, ain't nothing popping in Corey's house. Um, But Sean's poor, and that becomes, like, like, basically their friendship is tested the most in their high school years, and how... Sean's poverty, the way it affects him and the way it subsequently affects his relationship with Corey and how it tests their relationship becomes a fixture of many of these episodes. 
Right, because so what eventually happens is basically Sean the thing the the situation with Sean's lack of parents becomes so hard so that um I love how you say lack of parents. <laughs> lack of parents. Right, because like so what happens like in, in season two, like the big sort of uh it's not overarching, but what happens I think in the last couple of episodes Sean's mother leaves. We, we just, he just sort of says it like, oh, my mom's gone. And then Sean's father, Chet, then also leaves <laughs> um, to go find her. And they basically, and they, both of these parents abandon Sean. Um, and he has to go live with Mr. Turner. I want to talk about that very briefly. Um, a, it's never a good idea to abandon your kid to go find the parent who abandoned them. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, B, I'm side-eyeing Alan and Amy for not taking Sean in. Okay, yes, let's talk about that. So, it's, I know, like I just said that, but it's, and this is one of the things that will start to show the sophistication of, I think, Boy Meets World and, like, the writers starting to think more about how they're going to structure storylines like in regards to these episodes. Cause although all these episodes are very episodic, this, this thing with, um, Sean and the, the tension of his parents is not something that just shows up. It's something that he alludes to in several episodes. So, I mean, and, and, and I mean, we have like Sean talking about like being food insecure, right? Like it's really nuts. <laughs> like, right. And I'm just like, white people are so different because if that's my kid's best friend, I've known him since they were like in kindergarten. Yeah, you can stay at my house. You better get a bunk bed and make this work. I'm not going to let you go into the system because Mr. Turner taking him in was really like the last ditch effort, right? He was about to go into foster care. Right. They're like, what are we going to do with Sean? And the Matthews won't intervene. Like, it's crazy to me how the Matthews just don't intervene that heavily into into Sean's situation. And, like, maybe I wouldn't if his dad was still in the picture. Like, like I would obviously be like, you know, come to the house for dinner. Um, If, you know, if you need a meal or whatever, come to that. You're welcome anytime. But um, if both parents are out of the picture, it's not like you're stepping on anyone's toes by having the kid come live with you. Right. And I guess the show is like tries to justify it as like, you know, Corey's dad is just like a grocery store manager. He has three children already. Um, but like you y'all can take Sean, like I said, Sean is used to being food insecure. Y'all can take a fourth kid. Right. And I mean, Eric's eating y'all out of house and home anyway. Like the fact that no one ever, ever even suggested until, like, I want to say season season four or five that Eric get a job is beyond me. Right. Why can't Eric get a fucking job? Eric doesn't get it because Eric is, like, 15 at 15, 16. Like, he's 16 in season two. He's 16. He could get something. Like, he could get, like, a paper route. Like, you work at the grocery store, hook him up. He can be a bag boy over there. Right? But he's not doing nothing. Uh, 
She's just I just feel like any excuses they had are, are are ridiculous because, yeah, he's just a grocery store manager. But you know what? On that grocery store manager salary, you can still um, um, feed five people and pay a mortgage. I don't understand the hustle and bustle. Like, Mr. Feeney is the only person I'd say, like, I understand Mr. Feeney because he was already old. And... Like, honestly, if I were that old, I would consider, like, what if I passed? And that just puts the child in an even more vulnerable situation. But Alan and Amy, I'm sod-eyeing the hell out of that. That's your kid's BFF. Like, I don't, I just don't see Black parents doing something like this. Same. I don't see Black parents doing something like this. I mean, when Mr. Turner offers Sean a place to live, um, Sean's staying in some, like, really random motel that's, like, you know, at this in like the sketchy part of town. So it's like you let your best friend's child. <laughs> I mean, you let your best friends, or you let your child's best friend stay in like uh, uh, the sketchy part of um, the of town where he could be like inducted into like gang violence or like something crazy. Like, what are y'all doing? The sketchy town, the sketchy part of Philly, you guys, come on now. I don't, I don't fuck with it. Like I don't, whatever their excuses were, it, it like it does, it doesn't vibe. It just doesn't vibe. I don't, I don't entertain it. I don't mess with it. Um, I think they're, they're, they're hot garbage for this. Um, I think the show could have given us a different setup, like one where they wanted to take him in. Um, and we're trying to make it work before Mr. Turner then offered because, um, the fact that they never even considered it is really suspect to me. And I always kind of got that vibe that the, his parents didn't really care about Sean. They just tolerated Sean on account of that's Corey's best friend, which I don't like. Right. I mean, I think later the show goes in on like the the show es- establishes like the Matthews really love Sean and they care about Sean and they're so worried about Sean. But in season two, that does not it does not seem like that at all. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all tried it. Um, they really, really tried it. So let's talk about something else that happens in season two. Gosh, I hope it is season two. These seasons are so long. They kind of run into each other for me. Mm hmm. I th- when looking back, honestly, I think the show centered Corey in order to remain to to maintain its levity, because I think the show would have been better had Sean been the protagonist, but it wouldn't have been so light. Um, it would have uh, it's a show that would have led to um, a lot of introspection and maybe a lot of hard conversations and hard questions among the viewers. Absolutely. And and when the show gets deeper and I think when the show starts having these hard questions and introspections, all those plots happen to Sean. They don't happen to Corey. Um, Corey probably becomes like the most boring character on the show. Yeah, I mean, honestly, he he's been he's been the most boring from jump, at least for me. What I hate is that as the series progresses, Eric becomes this kind of like buffoon laughing stock comic relief character i didn't like that and i didn't see the the need for it yeah we'll talk about that once we once we get into season three and season four because like um because i went on the rewatch i really looked out for that and tried to figure out how how that happened um and it's 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 weird it it never makes sense i think they try to make it make sense 
in some of the later seasons when they allude to the fact that one of Corey's, like, Corey's paternal grandfather, like, one of Corey's uncles or something, suffers from mental illness, like, delusions. But it's never quite clear. It's it's literally just something that happens that we never have a reasoning for. He uh, went from being, like, the cool older brother to, like... He wasn't the. He was never the brightest bulb in the box. But like they make him, they reduce him to someone who's like a complete ignoramus. Right, and it it, it doesn't make sense. Um. So, season two. Uh, do you have season any two, I thought was good. Oh yeah, good episodes of season two. Let's talk about it. Number one, back to school. Number two, pairing off. Number five, The Uninvited. Number 12, Turnaround. Number 13, Cyrano. Number 15, Breaking Up is really, really hard to do. Oh, that's a really good one. It is. It's so cute. And number 19, Wrong Side of the Tracks. Um, Yeah, I love all of those. I would add in... Oh, I just want to point out really, really quickly... um, uh Nancy Kerrigan was on that episode. Yeah, she does. She comes in. She's so great. <laughs> in like a fantasy of Eric's fantasy. <laughs> like he's dreaming. I didn't know that like like n- like white boys were sweating Nancy Kerrigan like that. So thanks for the reminder. Thank you. <laughs> right? That's part of what makes this show so great and like uh and part of why it's a time capsule. You can see like I guess what was popular, like who was popping back then. So I would only add to that uh, episode 17 on the air, the career day, and then 23 home. Mm, yeah, those are good episodes. Um, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention episode 21, the thriller and Phila. Just because Yasmin Bleeth is on that episode, and she was one of my, like, my 90s like girls that I used to stand for. I love it. So season two is is good to me. It's a good yeah, same. I really think that the show found its footing when they came into high school um, because it was like less hijinks and more just like trying to navigate life, you know? Right. Same. It's like they it's still like a bunch of hijinks, but they it definitely it's that hijink part of it is starting to peter off and it's starting to become more even. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. So let's talk about season three, sophomore year, 22 episodes. Let's get into it. Yeah, so season three. Um, so th- this is sophomore year of high school. The boys are a bit older, not wiser, um, but just, just older. And definitely they're figuring out this high school thing a bit better than they did before. Um so Sean is living with Mr. Turner full time right now. In fact, I will say Mr. Turner actually takes on like a much bigger role this season. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of him. He even gets like a, a fun black best friend in Eli who becomes a teacher at the school. Um, mm-hmm. So there's like a lot happening this this season. Yeah, Mr. Turner's a really cool character. I was kind of sad to see him go because I felt like this is pretty much the only time 
in the timeline of Boy Meets World where the Sean character has any stability whatsoever. Right. And it's, it's so, and yeah, I, I felt the same way. So like in season four, Mr. Turner's role gets greatly reduced, but rewatching season three, I understand why it's, and it's because like, it starts to feel like the dynamic between Sean, Mr. Turner and Eli is like its own show. It starts to feel like a show within a show. And I can see why like network or somebody would be like, this is called boy meets world. And our protagonist is Corey Matthews. What's up? Like, right. I mean, it's not writer's fault. He's just so much more magnetic. Jesus. It's not his fault. (laughs) I don't just feel like writer strong is a more magnetic actor. I just feel like straight up just because his, the Sean character was such a conflicted and I won't say tortured, but like just going through a lot of like undue trauma that it inherently made his story more interesting. I mean, yeah, I think Sean is the more interesting character and I think Ryder Strong is the better actor. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is Um, what it is. But you know, like you said, this is the ode to your basic white male. Corey is basic and it's not just in looks and in intellect. Nothing of huge interest or huge upheaval happens in his life. Everything about him is very middle of the road. And I think that's what kept audiences there. Like, this is a show we know it's not going to run up your blood pressure. It's not going to keep you up at night. It's not going to give you existential angst. You just watch and be entertained mindlessly for a little while and then move on with your life. Right. Um, And so... And, and like we said, everything that sort of is interesting with Corey um, happens uh, via Sean or, or via Eric. So in season three, Eric is a senior and Eric is, is in danger of not graduating. His grades have been so poor. And this is where we get to see at least them begin to sort of deepen this Eric character because it's his senior year. He should be thinking about college, but college is not an option for him um, because of the the poor grades he's had. The show starts to create this very clear divide between Eric and his peers, and and we really get to see like those feelings and those thoughts and feelings of like inadequacy or feeling inadequate. Um, and it continues in in a really I think beautiful way in season four as well. Mm-hmm. Listen, all I know is that um, he couldn't have been failing school in um, Floyd Henderson's house or Frank Mitchell's house. I'll he really could not have been. He, <laughs> n- not in his whole life. Not in his whole, whole life. And that's part of what is so interesting, I think, about Boy Meets World is that we have these characters who we're really supposed to relate to and love and, and valorize, definitely, in in some ways. But both Corey and Eric are not good students. Like Eric is, like we said, he's failing. He almost fails out of senior year because there's like, he stops going to class. There's an episode where Eric uh, becomes like the local weatherman in Philly Mm -hmm. for like a Mm -hmm. week because the Mm -hmm. other one is sick and he just happened to be there. And Eric um, stops going to class because he's just at the weather place, not realizing that like, they're not going to hire him if he can't even graduate high school. <laughs> like, 
I mean, I love the hustle, though. I'm not going to lie. Like, the show makes it clear that Eric's strength is his charm and his charisma. He's very, very likable. Right. Um, people just like him everywhere he goes, and that's, like, his superpower. Um, but for me, that episode and many episodes to follow are just classic examples of white men failing upward. Because, like you said, there aren't a lot of brains in the Matthews family, and if there are, Morgan has them all. Um, <laughs> Eric, Eric is, you know, um, Corey is average, and Eric is below average. <laughs> Right. And it's, I think it's interesting that like we, and I think completing my original thought, like it's interesting that we are supposed to hold up in Valar's Corey's and Eric and their average and below average. Whereas TJ, that Moesha are straight A students, volunteer mm-hmm. and also volunteer at their local food bank. And also, you know, write for the school paper and also, you know, go to church and also do all of these other things so that, you know, Frank put miles on punishment for coming home with a C. Yes, he did. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and one C in all of the report card. Mm, Hate it. Hate it. And, um, and it's just, it's a demonstration, I think, um, of how, even in media and in fiction, black people have to be so much more than um, their counterparts and and how interesting that is. And by interesting, I mean racist. Uh, (laughs) So one thing I do want to touch on is the show continues to really uh, dive in on the more interesting parts of Sean and I guess Sean's upbringing and, and what that means and like sort of these issues. And one of the things that happens uh, is there's an episode where Corey goes, there's like, there's this assignment, this documentary assignment, which by the way, they'll use that ploy so many times. There's like about five or six episodes where it's like a documentary assignment, but like in school or something, Corey's filming this documentary for class his subject is Sean and Sean's family. And it's interesting um, because before what happens happens, I think Depanga asks, why are you, she asks Sean, are you really okay with him sort of, are you okay with Corey like putting all this attention on you and your family and your upbringing? Are you like sensitive about it? Right. Because she's, mm-hmm. cause he's, and like he does not you know and he's like well you know it's not the greatest but you know he's my friend and I know he wouldn't do anything to hurt me and I'm just like damn all that trust so unearned Mm. see episodes like this stand out to me because so often on this show it's Topanga not Corey looking out for Sean's best interests, checking in with Sean and seeing how he's feeling about everything. Literally, when the Angela character comes in in later seasons, she literally becomes a romantic version of Topanga. Topanga's the one that's like really shown to care about Sean and not take him or his situation for granted. Any other show... Like, Topanga and Sean would have been endgame, and she wouldn't have ended up with that curly-headed Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) Through the course of this film, Corey catches one of 
the kids in Sean's neighborhood, like, steal it with, like, stolen property. And so, of course, Corey, because he is white, because he is male, because he is average, is like, let's get him arrested. Let's go to the cops. And Sean is like, no. And this is the first time throughout this whole sort of, like, poverty porn tour, because that's exactly what Corey's doing. Sean has said, Sean, you know, puts his foot down and he's like, no, give me the tape. And Corey's like, why, Sean? Corey really shouldn't say why. Sean should just be able to say, no, stop. And Corey is like, okay, fine. And that's the end of the discussion. But if it's Corey. So Corey's like, why are you being like this, Sean? Why can't we just get these guys arrested? And I love it because whether it's intentional or not, it touches on this idea of, yeah, whatever sort of petty crime that they're engaging in is not worth what's going to happen to them should cops be involved, right? Or should the law be involved? Right. You have to weigh the crime and the punishment or the potential consequence. And Corey is not even out here trying to be a do-gooder or a good Samaritan. He's never been portrayed as such, right? He's just a little busybody with a camera. Right. And <laughs> and Corey started at first. <laughs> like, um, So Sean destroys the tape. And later right. we find out. Uh, the the kid who stole the laptop or whatever um, is Sean's half-brother. Uh, and it's just, and they don't speak, they don't speak on the fact that they're half-brothers. They just know that, like, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And they don't deal with it. But I, it's just, it's it's this first sort of really wonderful, I think, deep, rich, complicated, compelling storytelling out of out of the show. Right. And I will point out to the best episodes with Sean and the best the best part of Sean's character arc is when he really starts to assert his independence from Corey, because I think he clings to Corey in the earlier seasons because Corey symbolizes normalcy and stability for him. And when he starts acting and thinking independently of Corey is when we see like a better version of Sean and like a, a, a version of Sean who. I feel despite everything he's been through in his life is on a a better path, so to speak. Right. Exactly. No, I agree. So season three ends with Mr. Turner trying to decide whether he's going to become Sean's legal guardian or not. Now, looking back at it, Angela never stood a chance (laughs) because this is because uh, Sean has essentially been living with Mr. Turner for a whole year. Um, cause that, and so throughout the course of this year without his father, with Sean, without a father, without a mother, um, the only stable, like stable person in his life, Mr. Turner, uh, who has been like, a, who's now essentially his, his like father, we find out that Chet, like Sean's dad, sent Mr. Turner legal guardianship paperwork like three months ago. (laughs) Mm. Like, Mm. oh my God. Like, oh my God. I hate it so much. So like, basically this man was willing to terminate his parental rights. Like he was just like, you know what? I just don't want to do this anymore. 
Which is honestly probably one of the better things Chet ever did for Sean. Learning and if you've had a kid in your house for like nine months at that point, I'm assuming you 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 have some fondness for him. <laughs> I mean, they start looking for new apartments together. Like, because Mr. The whole thing is like, I mean, the episode is like Mr. Turner is like, this place is too small. Like, if you're going to be living here, like, I, I, I need to get a bigger place for us, basically. That's the conversation that they start having. And, you know, like... Turner talks to Sean and he's Mr. Turner's like, Hey, like you need to come with me to see some of these apartments. Cause you're going to be living here. <laughs> like, mm. Cause we need a bigger place. And that's when, and, and in the course of looking through the listings, he finds the unsigned guard. Sean finds the unsigned guardian paper paperwork. And, and Sean is basically like ripped apart inside because he, Sean thinks that Mr. Turner had already signed the paperwork and that it was finished. Um, mm. And it turns out it wasn't. And when he finds it out, he's like, oh, so you just didn't want me. Like nobody wants me. And Sean like runs away. And it's just like, I, my heart, like, like I said, Angela never stood a chance because who? More issues than Vogue. Like, who? More issues than Jet Girl. Girl. Um, <laughs> I just, listen, say the thing about Sean is like, he's dealing with abandonment issues from multiple sources. Mom ran out, dad ran out, legal guardian trying to run out. Um, everybody's just like, they just dip. They had headed for the hills. And, like, his best friend's parents never fucking stepped up. The people who've known him all his life, they're basically, known, they're the only people that know that have known him as long as his own parents. They, don't, they didn't even lift a finger this entire time. Yeah, you're going to feel some type of way about yourself. Because it's going to be like, well, I'm the common denominator. Maybe it's me. Maybe it's me. And it's not all these... And, and it's not. It's not you. It's all these adults who cannot make good choices. <laughs> Not to save their fucking lives. And it, 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 it's it's painful to watch, especially from the Mr. Turner character, because you expect him to have um, a bit more rationale and self-awareness and empathy than Sean's parents, right? This is a type of show that tries to paint it as, like, being smarter um, makes you uh, a wiser person. We definitely get that impression from the Mr. Feeney character, Right. Right. So, like, when Mr. Turner's just like, listen, like, I really like being a bachelor. I'm not trying to have, like, a, a teenage son. I know you're, like, you know, 15 already, so I really only had to do this for three more years. But, nah, I'm good. That's a <laughs> Oh, my God. It's so much. Um, and, and it's horrible. And so uh, when Sean runs out, Sean is sleeping on a park bench. And worst of all, Sean's sleeping on a park bench that he's used to sleeping on or that he knows for himself is like a safe bench to sleep on. Mm -hmm. And he gets picked up by a cop and he's arrested. And when Sean gets arrested for sleeping on a park bench, when he's at the station being booked, um, he sees his father. (laughs) And I'm just like... This is horrible. Oh my God, what's happening? Can <gasps> uh, yeah, we talk about how fucked up it is that we're arresting people for sleeping on public benches? Y'all really criminalized homelessness before it was trendy. Listen, listen. Uh, mm, mm, I hate it. 
And like the boy literally didn't do nothing but try to get catch some Z's. We're we are punishing people, minors, for not having a home now. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> so cops have always been useless. That's the lesson here. Um so during this, when he sees his dad at also at the at this police station being booked, Sean then has to convince his father to come home. <laughs> He's like, you know, but what if you just came like, and he gives this like really great speech, but I'm just like, poor Sean. Sean was always destined to be as fucked up as he is because when you are, when you're 15 and you're having to convince your father who has just been arrested, like, never mind, you've, you're arrested for doing nothing but being homeless and at risk. Um, but now you then have to convince your grown ass ma- father to take care of you or to come home and be a father to his child. I cannot even begin to understand the levels of fucked upness that that like puts on you. No one should have to talk their parent into parenting, like period. It's painful to watch, but that's the Sean Sean's trajectory in this season is what makes this season great. I honestly don't remember much of anything else that happened um, this season because his storyline was just so engrossing. Right. Same, same. And that's why, at least for me, a season, and that's how the season ends, Chet, like, uh, agrees to come home and be a father to Sean. And for me, season three is a straight-up great. It's a good, excellent. Yeah. I completely agree. I think season three actually might be my favorite season of the show overall. Yes, I'm aware there are four other seasons after this, but I said what I said. Um. It's definitely one of the stronger. It's it's definitely like on the road to the series becoming really, really strong. Yes, we, we feel it. And they have a lot of great be- guest stars. We have... Um, we have Elizabeth Harnoir, who later stars with Wilfredo in My Date with the President's Daughter. We have Julie Benz, a.k.a. Marcy from Jawbreaker, a.k.a. Darla from Angel and Buffy. These shows are such a time capsule. So many great actors, like great, great, great actors. Um, um, Ethan Supley, love him so much. He's currently on Good Girls right now in a recurring role. Just, like, really, really great cast. One thing of note in this season, this is a season where Corey's voice gets deeper. Somebody's balls dropped, and he's, like, officially, like, a real teenager now. But he's still acting like a child. Unfortunately, Corey being childish and petulant and self-centered is a running theme for the show. It is. It is. Um, And this is also the season where, like, he and Topanga become official, and then, like, he breaks up with her like an idiot. Um, Didn't she break up with him because he went to that party? Oh, yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes where, like, basically, he goes to a party where there's supposed to be, like, this really, uh, really beautiful French girl there. And he's with Topanga, but he and Sean go there anyway, even though Sean is like, yo, I don't think Topanga would be cool with this. He goes to the party and lo and behold, the French girl at the party is none other than Topanga. Like she is, she really likes getting this attention from people who don't know who she is. 
And but he had come to the party specifically to try to woo and hook up with another girl. So they break up. But it's like just this. This isn't going to be the last time, unfortunately, where Corey thinks he can do better than Topanga either. It's not the last time that he does this shit. Right. That's basically why you got to be with somebody who understands what they have. You know what I mean? Right. And like I used to be team give ugly dude chances, but I feel like that creates a level of unearned self-esteem. So that is so savage. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I used to be, oh yeah, give the ugly dude a chance. But we saw how JC did Beyonce. So um (laughs) give him a chance and then he's gonna think he can bag every bad bitch. You don't want Mm -hmm. him thinking that. Um, do you have favorite episodes of season three? I do. I do. Okay. So my best friend's girl, um, Brittany Murphy shows up in this one. So it's really great to see her. That's the first episode. The double lie, uh, two, six, this little piggy, 10 train of fools. It's a new year's Eve episode. I feel like there aren't a lot of new year's Eve episodes in sitcoms. There's always like the Christmas episode and the Thanksgiving episode, but very rare. Do we get like new year's Eve episodes? So I think that was yeah. cool. That's um, sitcoms for kids. Definitely not. <laughs> 15. The heart is a lonely hunter. Uh, 16 stormy weather. 20. I never sang for my legal guardian. 21, the happiest show on earth. It's like they all go to Disney World for a reason. Why? Nobody knows, but they're all there. And then 22, brother, brother. All right. Um, I also am a fan of my best friend's girl. I miss Brittany Murphy so much. Um, Man, gone too soon and highly underrated when she was still with us. Let's see. Um, Number three, what I meant to say. This is the first time Corey tells Topanga, I love you. Episode six, this little piggy. Eric is trying to get into Harvard, y'all. Or excuse me, Yale. He's trying to get into Yale. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Even white dudes can't feel that far up. Um, number eight, Rayvon. Uh, number nine, The Last Temptation of Corey. Um, we see Brittany Murphy again in this episode. Oh, the episode where I'm talking about where they go to another party, which is episode 12, The Grass is Always Greener. Number 15, The Heart is a Lonely Hunter. Yeah, those are all great ones. Great ones. Season four, that was also 22 episodes, and they are officially juniors in high school. I think this is when, like, indisputably the show gets more mature, at least in the romantic sense, because Corey and Topanga do get back together. It's junior year, and their relationship becomes much more intense. The show never tells us they're having sex, but I always assumed that they were. Right. Like, I assumed that... We were talking talking about, sorry, Corey and Topanga, right? Yeah. I assumed that they were having sex until we get all the, like, oh, we're not having sex episodes right right they did this a lot like they did it on the oc with ryan and marissa as well but this was like a staple of 90 shows these couples were always together they spent every waking moment together they were kissing on each other hugging up on each other literally together for years but the show accepts us to believe that not only were they not having sex but that apparently holding out until marriage was like super easy (laughs) (laughs) right and like 
and and so so one of the it's interesting that we're talking about like the they're not having sex uh, because I think one of the most compelling episodes um of the season uh of season four is <laughs> uh Sean is dealing with this like really intense thing and Corey's response, instead of, like, finding out really what the fuck is going on, Corey's response is to try to, like, coerce Topanga into sex. And I'm just like, why is Corey? What does he do? What is reason? (laughs) What is life? Yeah. I mean, teenage boys. Teenage boys. But I think with Corey, I never really felt that Corey was serious about Topanga, apart from her looks and apart from the fact that for whatever reason she found him attractive until they, until um, he asked her to marry him. Mm. Well, so it's, I just felt like she was a notch in his belt or something. I don't know. Mm. Um, Well, but something interesting that the, I think the show does touch on though, this season in season four, season four is a really compelling season, but the show unintentionally gets into like, I think pretty privilege Mm -hmm. all all randomly. Uh, I did not expect it, but it happens and it happens once again via this, like via this thing with Corey's insecurity of like his hair. Corey's like, once again, Corey's like super insecure about, um, like yeah his hair and his curly hair and the episode starts out with like sean does this thing where all sean has to do is like run his hands through his hair and like all these girls like swoon and Corey tries to do it and then he can't and then Corey goes well depending like you don't understand like you're pretty and she goes i don't care what i look like and then topanga like chops off her hair and makes it like super uneven and she's still gorgeous. It's just her hair is looking a little jacked. But then Depanga has this like huge breakdown over her hair looking jacked and this idea that she might not be that for this one moment in time she is not as as pretty as people perceived her. And then Corey does and it's yeah, the whole episode is basically about like Corey pretty privilege and Corey's like well you've always you're always pers-. he's like you can't understand what I'm going through because like you've always been okay with how you look um and it's interesting I mean I hate that it's coming from like Corey of all people but it is uh, I think an episode that's that's worthy of of evaluation I love that episode I love it because it's Corey because like he finally addressed the elephant in the room that like looks wise, he and Topanga are not in the same league whatsoever. Um, I love the fact that this is a man having this conversation. I love the fact that this is a white person having this conversation. And I also think that it's like low key sad that the most relevant conversations we've had about um, hair texture and how that plays into perceived beauty were had on this show and never any other, never any black show. <laughs> Right? (laughs) I act like it doesn't exist, but I'm like, no, like, this is a thing. Texturism is real as hell. And I think, actually, if... If you're, if you are, if you don't have other trappings of beauty, like you're, you don't, you're not thin by Western body standards or you're not light skinned, um, hair texture is that thing that could push you over the edge, like, like dark skinned girls don't even get acknowledged as being pretty unless they have straight or near straight hair, right? 
Right. Or like the Justine Skies in the world that have like naturally loose curls because she's like, um, she's like, uh, her, she, one of her parents is Indian Jamaican, right? Um, I think, yeah, the, one of the parents, yeah, one of the parents is, yeah. Yeah. So one is like Afro Jamaican, one is Indian Jamaican. So like, like when, when you have that hair texture and you have the facial features that she has, you know, small, not too broad, um, not too dominant, then we can be like, okay, yeah, she's pretty. But, um, you know, when you, when you look like Corey average, <laughs> like average in every conceivable way and your best friend looks like this, yeah, it's going to be an issue because I don't think Sean would be perceived as being as attractive if his hair texture was the same as Corey's. I could see it, but I feel like also Sean would be smart enough to get like a super low cut. Right, right. But like, I even look at things like jaw structure. So I'm looking actually right now on the, the season four DVD cover and you can just tell like Ryder Strong and Wilfredo have these excellent strong jaw lines and Ben Savage doesn't. He's a he weak chin and a round, soft face. Um, these features would be considered attractive on a woman, ironically enough, but not on a guy. Right. Right. Like curly hair and that face shape would be considered really pretty on a girl. <laughs> but on a guy, he's just like, you know, he's just basically not in Topanga's league. She can bag whomever she wants. And Topanga gets considerably better looking with each passing season. <laughs> Granted, it will all come back around because there will be sort of like an episode, I think, in either season six or season seven about Topanga not feeling her best because she's gained weight. And this is when mm-hmm. Danielle Fischel does gain some weight um, and the show talks about it. Um, but uh, I mean, but we'll get to it when we get to it. So another thing that happens this season or something that we're doing this season, Eric uh, has come back home and he's at home and he's living at home because he did not get into college. So he is figuring out what he's sort of doing with his life and his time. And what does he do now? Uh, It should be noted. This is the first time that Eric gets a job. I mean, I like it and it's interesting because I do think it's interesting and valuable to look at, you know, what, how do you define yourself or how do you find value in yourself if you don't sort of do the things that you're quote unquote expected to do and mm-hmm. how can you um overcome i think that's that's interesting it also just shows how extremely privileged the matthews boys are because alan quits his job mm-hmm. and then buys a store and then employs eric to work in the store so yeah. Right. Um, the episode where he quits his job, um, I ain't gonna spray lettuce no more, which is episode three, is really interesting too, because then Corey, in typical Corey fashion, in typical self-centered fashion, actually goes to Sean and be like, Hey Sean, you know a lot about poverty. Can you help us learn to cope with poverty? Right. And the show treats it as like a joke, like it's supposed to be funny and like it's not really, but okay. Um, I think the most, the, the most interesting part about that is that it really reveals, it, it just ends up revealing more about the Sean character. That's really interesting that like he's used to being food insecure or that he knows all the places to like 
sleep on the street and be safe and or that like he knows all the churches that like give out food at a certain time like and he shouldn't have to know that and you sh- or you should have been aware that this is his life before you were in the situation you should have given a fuck how your best friend was living feel me right but um it is what it is Corey's self-centered and i'm sure no one knows that better than sean and topanga at this point Sean's mother, Verna, also comes back in the following episode. She does. She comes back and we realize that she's been there the whole time. Right. What was she doing? Nothing. She was just being, she was li- living uh, across from the trailer park. But she's, she, but basically the whole year that Chet was gone, that Sean thought, and they both thought she was gone, She's she's been in Philadelphia. She just didn't feel like raising her child. Right. And then she comes back and she tells she she tells Chet that they need to that he and Sean need to prove that they're willing to live like a family. And I'm like, what the fuck does that even mean? If your man's not acting right, you leave him. You don't leave your son for not knowing how to do family correctly when children learn how to be part of the family through the examples of their parents. You don't teach your child how to be a better child or more cooperative or productive or whatever by just like, you know, checking out. Right. It's like, what? (laughs) Yeah. And she's like, she's basically like you, my son has to prove to me that like he deserves a mother. And I'm like, what are you? Oh gosh. Like, (laughs) listen, we we out here making children earn the love of their parents. Fix it. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) fix it fix it so much um but it's it's horrible also uh sean's dad becomes a janitor at the school yeah i mean listen he needs a job right and listen i was like really proud of chet for like swallowing his pride and doing this like sean is humiliated but i'm like yo he's actually stepping up and being an adult for once and out of sean's parents he's clearly the most more responsible one he sent the guardianship papers to mr turner um he's come back um he's trying to get right with his life i feel like his excuses were just much better than verna's straight up um (laughs) (laughs) um it's interesting to me that sean's ashamed of his dad being the janitor like, I would have thought Sean, of all people, would be pretty chill about it. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. he's never seemed... The show never... The show codes him as poor, but they never code him as, like, ashamed of that. More just, like, that's the reality of his life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that was weird to me when, like, his... Like, when he was really ashamed of his his dad being the janitor. I think it was a matter of, like, because I feel like a lot of kids don't really like their parents being around school. Like, I've seen kids who are embarrassed of their children, of their parents being a teacher. But then, like, everybody knows that in most situations, a janitor is a person that is is done the the least respect and seen as the least, even though they do the most work, um, seen as, like, the least respectable person in the situation that's what so i think it, i think i think it's a respectability thing okay i mean fair i mean but it's like it's more respectable than a con artist <laughs> i mean you know what though i feel like even with conning um like there is like a level of like 
you get kind of bragging rights there. Like boys will brag about the fact that their dad was like a con artist or a grifter or a professional gambler. (laughs) Okay. That's no, that's true. That's true. That's fair. Cause it's more, I guess it's more exciting in, in, in a sense. Exactly. Um, um, but it's, it's interesting. I do want to talk about this, uh, come back to this, this episode, my favorite episode of the season, Dangerous Secret. So this is the episode, uh, like we find out, like, I guess Corey and Topanga are not having sex. Um, so the episode kicks off with Sean. I'm sorry, you guys, you're just gonna have to hear so much about Sean. I I don't know what to tell you. He's like literally the most interesting part of the show. Um, This is better. Sorry, guys. Sorry, sorry, you guys. Um, so Sean is Sean's parents are are gone doing whatever they do. Um, luckily the show doesn't really need to hardcore explain where they are because they've more than proven themselves to be completely irresponsible people. But he is in the, but they're gone and he's in the trailer alone. And Corey comes over for like a reason. Um, and it's, it's at night and, Corey comes over and he's like, hey, like, let me in. And Sean's like, and Sean is like, you know, in his like sleep clothes. Sean's like, uh, okay, no, like you can't come in here right now. And Corey's like, what do you mean I can't come in? Like, I'm me, bitch. And Sean is like, no, you can't come in right now. And then we see that there is like a very beautiful blonde girl named Claire who is like in Sean's bathrobe uh, and she steps out. Corey is like shocked and Sean's like, this is why you can't be here right now. And Sean just sort of like shuts the door. But before he like shuts the door, uh, Sean is like, don't tell anybody that Claire was here. You, you have to promise to not tell anyone she was here. And then he shuts the door. So of course with this, Corey thinks that like Sean and Claire like having sex. Cause by this time, like Sean is like, by by this point in the series, like this, uh, this rep of Sean being like a womanizer is like well established. Some might even say Sean's womanizing or like desperation to like have people like love him is like clearly a response to everything else that's happening in his life. Um, um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, but Corey is like, oh my gosh, Sean's having sex. That means I should be having sex too. So in today's episode of not every fucking thing is about you, Corey. <laughs> okay, but why does Sean say that later on in the episode? <laughs> Valid. Great minds think alike. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you, but like Corey literally makes everything about him. He continues to do this in, in the college years. We'll talk about it on our next episode. But it's crazy because he keeps using Sean's level of experience as a litmus for his own life, but never stops to think that Sean is deserving of like the basic creature comforts that he has, like a family, a home, food, and shelter. Mm-mm. So, (laughs) so they basically, so we, so through the course of the episode, we discover that after, basically after Corey makes like a fucking idiot out of himself and he tries to like coerce Topanga into sex, (laughs) which he does in like the dumbest way possible. He lights a bunch of candles and then plays like this, like music from, um, 
like Volvo, like the car company. <laughs> Lord. So he's out here playing elevator music, you guys. And and it's funny because Depenka calls him on it because she's like, you've never wanted this before. So why now? And Corey's like, well, Sean. And she goes, what does Sean having sex have to do with us having sex? Like, give me that roadmap. Give, like, she goes, she's like, so you want to have sex because you want to, like, impress your friend or you want it to be, like, a thing or competition, like, with your friend? Like, what kind of right. bullshit is that? Really quickly, I just want to put this out here. Like, um, I call bullshit on how, quote, unquote, Corey's never wanted this. I call bullshit. They, this is the first time he's ever approached her about sex. Girl, bye. <laughs> well, at least in the show's mind. Um, so we find out later after like Corey flames out that like the the real situation is like Sean, Sean and Claire are not having sex. Uh, Claire's father is hitting her like he is abusing his child. Um, he like physical abuse, not sexual. Um, the fact that I have to make that clear. Yikes. Um, Sad. <laughs> but but like, we have to. But we have to. Um, so we find out that Claire, that Claire's father is is hitting her. And she, and so in order to, you know, get away from the abuse, she she's like couch surfing on different people's, in different people's homes. Um, and not only is Claire being abused, but like her mother will not intervene. And she specifically will not go to the police because her dad is vice president at the bank. So it's like her word against his, which is really smart for the show to do. It's the first time the show like acknowledges like, you know, there are actually people that the police will believe over you because of, you know, money and social status and all these other things that shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we the show touches on that like the sort of power dynamics of the situation, um, and and then Claire herself is very adamant about not going to the police. Um, she does not want to go to the police. The police are not going to help. Um, it's just it's a moot point. So, um, when Sean finally tells Corey that this is what's happening, this is the situation. Uh, Corey's like, let's tell my parents, Sean. <laughs> and Sean is like, what did I just say about how we're not telling anybody? Right. And what did we just say about how Amy and Alan are useless? <laughs> like, 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 come on, come on. So I actually love how this episode resolves. So, I mean, I halfway love it. Then they do something that sucks. But Corey lets, you know, Claire stay on his couch while Corey and Sean you know, like sort of hustle together to get the money to, you know, um, raise some money to, um, get her to get Claire out of Philadelphia and to Vermont. And cause in Vermont, Claire has an aunt who, um, has always been kind to her and, and basically will do what needs to be done. So, and that's what they do is I really like that, that they, they hustle together and they, they pull the money together and they get Claire on a bus to Vermont and they get her gone in the middle of the night. Um, so that Claire can go be with someone, an authority, an adult figure, an authority figure who 
actually is going to take care of her. Um, So where the episode turns is that basically Alan and Amy find out that Claire had slept on their couch because she had left like a book there or something. And Sean is there and Amy and Alan like, you have to go to the police because what's going to stop Claire's dad from going up there and getting her back? I'm like, the aunt, like, hope, <laughs> like, right. Um, I it's don't not know. kidnapping if the kid transports herself to you, <laughs> to you, right? It's more like I'm just gonna do this now. But they're like, see the only, and the show ends with the only the cops can truly solve this problem, and I'm like, uh, white people. Amy and Alan stay useless, or in this case, less worse than useless, dangerous. So, yeah, they didn't think about how this girl's mom was not going to live and support herself now that her man's locked up. Um, they didn't think about how this um, this will affect the family. You know, not everything needs to be a public discussion. That's all I'm saying. They had a plan. They had a solution. Um, Amy and Alan are useless. It. Right. Amy and Alan stay useless. Stay um, useless. Um, favorite episodes from season four... What are yours? So I really love You Can Go Home Again. Hair Today, Goon Tomorrow. That's the Pretty Privilege episode. Uh, I Ain't Gonna Spray Let Us Know More. Six, Janitor Dad. Eight, Dangerous Secret. Eleven, Easy Street. Twelve, An Affair to Forget. Uh, Thirteen, B&B. Sixteen and Seventeen, A Long Walk to Pittsburgh part one and two this is where like sorry yeah this is also the season where like Depanga, her family's moving away and then she like runs away from her family in the middle of the night because she just has to be with Corey because she's they're just like so in love and i'm like girl i've never got them vibes though like if it was a show like dawson's creek and who was like madly in love on that show Pacey and Andy were madly in love, and then Pacey and Joey were madly in love. If one of them had done that, I'm like, okay, bet. It makes sense. I've never gotten the impression that Corey was madly in love with Topanga. Never. I mean, well, these two episodes are basically Ben Savage being like, I can do just as well, good as writer, strong, dramatic material, and y'all better write it for me. I really do feel like that's what it is because he's so like, Mom, Dad, you don't understand. We love each other. Like they're literally married. They understand. (laughs) And I'm not feeling it, but like I definitely feel like it feels like a it definitely feels like a response. Like Ben Savage went to the writers and was like, I see you're giving Sean all this really great, interesting material. And I noticed that I'm not getting the same and we need to talk about that. (laughs) Like, let's have a conversation. Yeah, I feel like that's what happened there. And um, it's sad. Um, I'm I'm sorry about it. Because I, I, I'm i still not buying it. I'm not <laughs> buying that Corey is madly in love um, with Topanga. But she does end up staying, right? And, like, leaving her family behind to be with him? She does. Like, she ends up moving back to Philadelphia with uh, another aunt, a mysterious aunt that we never see. And that's who she remains with for the duration uh, season four and season five, allegedly. White folks always got an auntie or uncle that'll come through in a clutch. Um, Amen. Um, <laughs> episode 18, Uncle Daddy, where this is, this will not be the first, this, this is the first, but it will not be the last time that Eric 
uh, basically enters fatherhood, so kind of, sort of, um, and that we see a strong desire in Eric to be a father. Um, but uh, eight, episode 18, season four, is the first time we, we see it. Um, it's Uncle Daddy, and Eric is dating this woman who has a child, and he really bonds with this child until he and the woman break up and he's he's bereft when the when the child then has to go you know back with uh, his mother a uh, 20 security guy 21 cult fiction and then 22 learning how to fly so really quick cult fiction learning how to fly Cult fiction is like, like I said, Mr. Turner's role is greatly reduced this season. Uh, but in cult fiction, Sean joins a cult for whatever reason. It really feels like it's out of nowhere. But um, it, but like he does it, I guess, to help cope with everything. Um, I guess it makes sense in reason in the fact that like Sean is like abandoned by, has been abandoned by everybody in his life. So this cult feels like more stable. So he's so Sean is somebody who's always searching for stability. But um but basically during the episode Mr. Turner gets into a motorcycle accident and is like on life support in the hospital and um Sean is very much needs like this cult to cope and in the episode Mr. Alan Matthews has the nerve to be like, Sean is like a son to me. And I'm like, sir. Now, you know, that's a goddamn lie. You would never let Eric and Corey sleep on a park bench. (laughs) I'm like, sir. Um, But it is really heartfelt. And once again, Ryder Strong really, you know, does what he has to do and sells the the emotion and, and the gravity of it. And it's great. Right. I love it. Um, see, my favorite episodes from season four are also Hair Today, Goon Tomorrow. Three, I Ain't Gonna Spray, Let Us No More. Number four, Fishing for Verna. Number five, Shallow Boy. Now, this gives us a guest star from Leisha Haley. Um, she's most famous as being Alice from the L word. She plays that really perky girl that likes Eric. And then when he like hurts her, she starts writing really like really, really um, um, enraged songs. And he basically turns her into an Alanis Morissette. Oh, I was going to say, like, Eric basically dates Taylor Swift. <laughs> yeah, and then he, she becomes Alanis Morissette. And nah, that shallow boy was definitely, like, you ought to know for ABC kids. <laughs> 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 Yo, dude, like, whew, she was like, I bet you think this song is about, about you. you. Uh-uh. Fuck you. Um, Number seven, singled out. Honestly, the first half of this season is nothing but bangers. Like, it's so good. It is. Season four is really doing it. Um, Number 14, Wheels. Number 16 and 17, On Long Walk to Pittsburgh, parts one and two. And also cult fiction for me. Um, Ned, I'm telling you. The storylines that hit hardest are always about Sean and Topanga, no exceptions. <laughs> I no exceptions. Like, I don't know what to, to tell you. I mean, uh, I think Eric gets a, a bunch of a bunch of really good, bright episodes. Like Security Guy is really great because it's 
Um, it's about basically him and his dad and like, and Alan realizing that like, he has to let Eric figure out his life for himself. It's, but like nothing that Corey does is ever remotely interesting, <laughs> but um, season four, I'm giving a, a solid genuine good, maybe even good plus maybe not quite, but I'm, I, I feel it. You know what I mean? I feel it, but it's, it's totally a solid good. Right. Um, like I said, season four is my favorite season. I'm giving season four an unequivocal great. For me, they never quite touch this magic again. Um, I think it's because the introduction of a lot of new characters, they're trying to shift storylines. Um, but the show never felt as sincere as it did in season four, for me anyway. I agree with that. I think this is the last time that... I think season four and maybe a bit of season five is the last time we really ever, I think it's like the last time we get like a really good portrayal of like Eric. Yeah. Um, from now, from here on out, Eric will sort of be like kooky. He won't be as like, he'll, he starts to get kookier and kookier and kookier for no reason. Um, but I don't yeah, know. he just becomes like the eccentric uncle, but like make him twenty. Yeah, <laughs> it's really weird. It's really, really weird. Really um, weird. like they just have him do the most random things. I mean, Will Friedel actually carries this really well. Like in talking about it, I think about how weird it is. But in watching it, especially the first, second, third time around, it doesn't feel that terribly out of place. So I have to take my hat off to him for not making that character look as completely obscene as what it was written as. I agree. Um, he, at least the way Will Friedle plays it, he, he turns it up just a notch each episode so that when it's going full out, it doesn't, it, it's, it's fine. If that makes any sense. It's right. like, he just, it's like episode one. He, it, he turns up the dial and he turns up the dial. Then he turns up the dial. He keeps turning it up, turning it up, turning it up till we're like, till we have him in like season six, you know, spitting, spitting cereal onto like Feeney's face or whatever. Um, Right. We don't, I don't even recognize Eric between season from season one to season four. I don't even recognize him as the same person, but like you said, he just cranks it up just very, very slowly. So you don't really see how this character has transitioned into a complete buffoon unless you're binge watching the show. Right. This is excellent. Um, season four is excellent. Season five, I will say season four is definitely one of my favorite seasons, but this back half Five, six, and seven is is my true where all my good feelings live and lie, and I can't wait um, to get into it with everyone. Uh, well, not everyone, but like everyone, yes, but then like you. Um, so the world is listening. The world, everyone, <laughs> So there you have it, folks. 
This is everything that we think made the first four seasons of Boy Meets World good, bad, basic, and memorable. If you'd like to check out this landmark series, Boy Meets World is currently streaming on Disney+. Please let us know your thoughts on this series via our Twitter or Instagram. If you've enjoyed this episode of The Good, The Bad, The Basic, be sure to share it with your friends. Tune in next week when we'll be discussing the back half of this hit ABC sitcom. Follow The Good, The Bad, The Basic on all major podcast platforms to listen to all of our regular weekly episodes on the go. Leave us a review on your preferred platform and share our weekly episodes on your social media. Please follow us at The Good, Bad, Basic on Twitter and at Good, Bad, Basic Pod on Instagram to get in on our daily content. Also, be sure to follow our SoundCloud page where all of our episodes drop first. It's The Good, The Bad, The Basic. If you love this sort of content and want more, become a show producer and patron on Patreon. Join the family at patreon.com forward slash goodbadbasic. Your support allows us to keep bringing you our weekly episodes as well as exclusive bonus material. Until next time, bye everyone.